Have you ever spent an hour scrolling on social media, put your phone down and said, wow, that was just what I needed. <laughs> yeah, me neither. But can a small business exist without social media? That's what I'll be exploring today on episode six of season three of The Hearth of Sapbush Hollow. I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. I'm the chef-owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm-to-table and neighbor-to-neighbor experience open Saturdays 9 to 2 in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton, and I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers, The Grass-Fed Gourmet, and my newest title, Redefining Rich, from Ben Bella Books. It's a necessary evil. I lean back in my rocking chair, soaking up the warmth from the fire while Dusky sprawls across my lap. I'm trying to stay calm, centered. I need to convince everyone of my view. And they're not convinced. Sunday family dinner is over and we're lingering a little longer before everyone goes out into the January snow. Jen is in a bit of a tailspin tonight. I blame Ballerina Farm. For years now, I've been hounding all farm crew members to pull their phones out to capture candid shots and videos of farm and cafe life. They can post themselves or they can forward their images and flicks to me where I sit down once a week and schedule all our social media activity. But Jen has been scrolling Don't scroll, I admonish her. The martini from two hours before seems to have blunted my skills in subtlety. Just post. Don't look. You'll never be able to tear your eyes away, and you'll only wind up feeling like a piece of crap. I can't not scroll, Jen laments. This feels like a negotiation with Lot's wife. And what happens when you scroll, I demand. She sighs, drops her shoulders, and dutifully repeats her lesson. I feel like a piece of crap. 
Then she whips back at me. But is this what our future is? Is this what farming is about? Ballerina Farm has over 800,000 followers. The mother is like a size two. She's popped out six kids and she's pregnant for her seventh. And she dances and twirls in front of the camera and they get all these gorgeous shots and they're all perfect and beautiful. The martini has worn down my defenses. I grab my phone, open the Instagram app, and search for Ballerina Farm. <laughs> there is no way I can get the Sapbush crew to look that put together. There's no way I'll ever learn enough about digital photography and videography to capture shots like that. There's no way my posts will ever gain that kind of traction. There was no way my body ever could have snapped back in place after two kids, let alone seven. There's no way I'm going to do a pirouette or a pique and have it get any traction for my farm business other than as a comical, pathetic meme mocking the gravitational pull of my middle age. Now I feel like crap. I do my best to encourage everyone sitting around the fire. I mutter platitudes like, that's the way it's done these days, or we just have to do our best and keep trying. But my spirit feels defeated. For 12 years, I've done my best to pull Sapbush Hollow into the digital now, working on social media posts. And we haven't done badly, but we haven't done well either. In the height of the season, I estimate I log a solid 8 to 10 hours per week conceiving, crafting, drafting, filming, planning, and posting for social media. I try to do most of it on Thursdays. As a result, I'm notoriously short-tempered on Thursdays. And when it spills over to Friday because I just can't get it all done, well, then I become an absolute bear. But as I said, it's a necessary evil. I hound everyone again as they go home to keep posting. And I go to sleep, pushing thoughts of Ballerina Farm from my mind. But they haunt my rest, their homestead cheese-making in front of an old-fashioned cook stove, their jetés out in the pastures, their comical, wholesome reels of giggling, groomed children, the aesthetic of their entire feed. I wake in the pre-dawn hours and sit down to meditate. I turn on my phone to set the timer, and a notice pops in that my Facebook account has been accessed from a remote location. Within seconds, all my emails disappear off my phone, and I'm locked out of my accounts. I've been hacked. Really badly hacked. I know this is supposed to be a modern-day tragedy, a digital nightmare beyond my control. Yet all I can do is smile and resume meditation. And when I'm done, Bob and I go for a walk in the woods. There, we reflect on the problem. It is, indeed, a very big problem. In the days and weeks to come, I'll have to fight to secure all our bank accounts, and our credit cards. I'll even have to defend the farm from fraudulent unemployment claims. We determine the order of the steps we need to make to recover and secure our digital life. 
but we also decide to plan our way forward as though we might never be able to get our social media accounts back ever again. It took a couple of months to work through all the travails of the nasty hack, and during that time, we learned some important lessons about the cost of social media in our lives and our business. Number one, our social media followers are not our followers. We had accumulated a few thousand followers on each of our platforms. In theory, I should have been able to go through all the steps to recover my account and reclaim them. However, even with hired professionals, the task proved impossible. The judgments about my account were made by a non-human digital tribunal. And, I learned, Meta is so overwhelmed by hackers, not even the computers can keep up. Thus, the easiest thing for Meta to do was simply permanently ban me from the platform, even though the hackers were posting from Hanoi, Vietnam, and my posts come from upstate New York. No human beings at Facebook were authorized to assist in the case. And the only human advice I received from tech support was that if I ever tried to open a new account again, it would be removed once more. That means that 12 years of brand and relationship building were lost with the stroke of a few keys. And Meta had absolutely no wherewithal nor inclination to help me salvage it. Every business works to build a solid customer base. But what I learned was that social media is a dangerous place to do it. These corporations have neither incentive nor obligation to help a small business person maintain an account. By contrast, my mailing list is mine. My email list is mine. My followers belong to Meta. Two, we're happier without it. (laughs) Okay, if you've been following this podcast, you know that so far, 2022 has been a rough year for Sapbush Hollow. Shootings, deaths, hacking, plus we need a new roof on the cafe. And of course, we just learned we have major car trouble. And yet, I'm happier. (laughs) Yes, I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm relaxed. I'm having longer conversations, reading more books, playing more music. A large oppressive weight feels as though it has been removed from our lives. Because the truth is, even though we devoted 12 years of marketing sweat and tears to it, we were never good at it. We were never colorful enough or polished enough, and while it was occasionally fun to come up with a new post idea, overall, it was energetically draining to try to compete with the rest of the noise on the platforms. Lesson three. It was too disruptive to the flow of our days. Yes, it's great to capture a bouncing newborn lamb or the first day the sheep get turned out to pasture, and we do intend to periodically post those glorious moments on our blog. However, the farm and cafe are places of high activity. There is a lot to get done in the day. Each time action must be stopped to pull out a phone and set the stage for a photo or a video, the work drags 
and drags and drags. Patience runs short, and for some folks, such as yours truly, the constant presence of a camera just adds to personal exhaustion. And lesson number four. It wasn't effective. Yes, we did have some folks buy books or come to the cafe or order a CSA meat share as a result of social media posts. However, without devoting all our days to keeping up with the latest trends and algorithms, our results from posting were completely random and never as much as I'd like. I could work extensively on a campaign and get a few results, or I could work extensively and get zero results. Those few times when we have brought in customers as a result of our posts were tricking us. We thought what we were doing was effective, but at the cost of 8 to 10 hours of labor each week, plus the cost of the paid ads we periodically ran, it was a poor return on investment. So we decided to quit. All right, admittedly, we didn't have a choice, did we? But let me feel clever about this for at least a second. Instead, for marketing, we've reinvigorated our weekly blog, developed a campaign for a series of mailers, and focused more on making time for personal emails, face-to-face conversations, and good old-fashioned phone calls. Here are some of the key findings from our first quarter with no social media. Number one, no loss in income so far. Sales are actually up a tiny bit. Two, digital newsletter subscription rates have skyrocketed. They have gone up at five to ten times the rate at which we were gaining followers on the various platforms. Three, workdays are flowing much better. We are finishing our work on time with fewer digital distractions. Four, moods are better. Way better. I still devote Thursday mornings to working on farm marketing, but what used to take 8 to 10 hours is now down to 2, and that makes everyone happy. 5. We feel better about ourselves. We're sloppy. We're imperfect. But we're the best we've got. It's really nice not having to daily scroll through and learn how we aren't good enough. That means we're a whole lot happier. Six, it's easier to stay on mission. We're in the business to nourish and restore family, community, and planet. It's a lot simpler to do that in the real world than it is to do in the virtual world. I'm not going to sit here and proclaim that everyone should jump off social media. Some folks really need it or really enjoy it. But I do want to suggest that if it makes you really unhappy... Maybe it's okay to quit it. What I've learned from all this is to question the conventional wisdom, those same awful platitudes that I was throwing at the farm crew back in January. It's a necessary evil. That's the way it's done these days. There are many ways to market a business. And the best ways are the ones that help you fall a little bit more in love with your life each day. And is there any truth to that saying that it's a necessary evil? Well, I can tell you this. It isn't necessary. 
Happy spring, everyone. Zepwish Cafe is now open for the season every Saturday through December 24th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Our online website, zepwishfarmstore.com, is stocked with our grass-fed and pastured meats, as well as wool bedding and yarn. Since the shooting, the Honor Store has been taped back together for the time being. Your GoFundMe dollars have enabled us to order equipment and get started on repairs. Still, we do not have any retail freezer space yet, so you'll need to order your cuts before you come, and we'll have them pulled and left in the pickup freezer for you. Because of your efforts, we expect to have the rest of the store repaired in the coming week. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Our farm-to-table retreat on Panther Creek and the Tetra site are already getting summer bookings. If you want to grab a slot to come hang out with us, you can link over to their Airbnb and Tetra listings from the Vacation Rental tab at setbush.com. We also expect to have a new vacation rental available this summer, Tibbetts House, right across from the cafe, a three-bedroom house with a beautiful yard, views of our mountains, cozy fireplaces, and access to all our wonderful local food, hiking trails, and swimming holes. We're finishing up work now, so stay tuned. If you want to follow us this year, please note we are no longer on social media, and now you know why. You can find us over on the blog at sappers.com and keep track of farm happenings, my musings, and the weekly prefix special there. You can also sign up for our digital weekly newsletter. If you enjoy the slower things in life, you can also join our snail mail list and get Ula's hand-drawn postcards with notices about special offers and our CSA program. You can even be entered in a drawing to win a free CSA pork share by emailing me at shannon at sapbush.com with your snail mail address. Even though we aren't on social media, word is getting out about my newest book, Redefining Rich, which has been awarded an Axiom Medal for Small Business and Entrepreneurship. And another drum roll, please. It was also just awarded a Nautilus Medal. If you want to practice some of the concepts, be sure to head over to the blog at sapbush.com where you can download the free Redefining Rich workbook, which helps you work on your quality of life statement, identify true wealth and income streams, practice setting boundaries, and gives you exercises for helping your family and workday flow better. If you enjoyed this, please take a few minutes to leave a review. This helps other folks find my work. And please share this podcast with friends and family. This really helps to get the ideas to spread. The Hearth of Sapbush Hollow podcast happens with the support of my patrons on Patreon. And this week, I'd like to send a shout out to my patrons, Sarah Carker and Sally Goldberg. Thank you, folks. I could not do it without you. If you'd like to help support my work, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. And in case you were wondering, this podcast was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband, Bob Hooper. And the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emory, E-M-O-R-I-E, if you want to look her up. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. Now the birds are singing.